Do you need help with your journey following Jesus? Has your Bible reading brought up some interesting questions? Um, I, I need a prayer request. Is I've heard um, pastors talk about you can't get to heaven just with good deeds. I was just wondering what you guys think. Is, the, is there a correlation between the seventh trumpet and Revelations as the last trumpet, or is he talking about some other trumpet? Finally, a place to get answers. We're ready to take your prayer request and answer your Bible questions. Call in at 303-690-3000. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Good afternoon. Welcome to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. This is the show where you can call in with your questions about the Bible. You can call in with your prayer requests. And we have pastors standing by every weekday from 4 to 5 p.m. Mountain Time here on Calvary Live to pray for those prayer requests and answer those questions you might have about the Bible, about spirituality and life, uh, living the Christian life and following Jesus. That's what we're here to do every weekday here on Calvary Live. So give us a call at 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line is 720-336-0897. I want to welcome those of you who are listening in Colorado and into Southern Wyoming on Grace FM. Welcome to the program. So glad that you're with us today. We also want to greet those who are listening on the Radio by Grace network of stations, as stations all over the United States, particularly in the southern U.S., but um, when, I know they also have stations in their network in places like Wyoming and, and all over the country. So welcome to those of you listening on Radio by Grace. Those of you listening on Grace FM and Radio by Grace, you're here on the show live today. Today's February 24th, and it is a Friday. And I'm broadcasting today from Longmont, Colorado, and uh, proud to be doing that. It's a beautiful, sunny, but a little bit cold day here in Colorado, coming out of our big, deep freeze that we've been in, and I'm um, glad to see the sun coming back out. We also want to greet those of you, by the way, who are listening on the East Coast on Hope FM in Pennsylvania. New Jersey and Maryland. We also want to greet those listening on Truth FM in Tennessee and those listening on Higher Rock Radio in Idaho. So welcome to the program, wherever you're tuning in from. We want to remind you that those of you listening on Higher Rock Radio, on Hope FM, and on Truth FM, you hear the show not live, but on a one-week delay. We just want you to be aware of that so you can, you know, if that ever comes up in the uh, calls that you are getting uh, or the, what you're hearing on the radio versus what we're talking about live. But uh, the way the show works, it really isn't a problem for you to call in. We, we encourage you to, and we'd even encourage you who are listening on the delay to view that as a unique opportunity you have to call in, have your question answered, have your prayer request prayed for, and then you have an entire week to tell all your friends to tune in. And that can be a really cool way for you to introduce them to the local station where you listen to Calvary Live. And so, so glad that, that God is growing the listening family of stations broadcasting Calvary Live. And we're also glad that many of you have the opportunity to listen online. So welcome to those of you who are listening online, whether that's on Grace FM or on your local station's online platform. Um, but if you are looking for a good way to listen to this show anywhere you go as you travel throughout the country or the world, make sure to get the Grace FM app. You can find that by going to the App Store for your phone or your tablet and just typing in 
Grace FM, one word, no spaces, and you will find it very easily. You can also go to gracefm.com to tune in as well. And you can also listen to it on your smart speaker. So tons of ways to listen. So cool how God's given us this technology, and we want to use it to talk about Him, bring Him glory, and talk about the good news of Jesus. So welcome to all of you, wherever you're tuning in from today. Uh, A few words about myself. My name is Nick Cady. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church, which is located in Longmont, Colorado. We are a Calvary Chapel-affiliated church here in this great city. And um, yeah, I've been the pastor here for 10 years now. Um, Prior to being the pastor here in Longmont, I was a missionary and church planter and pastor in Eastern Europe, in Hungary. Did a lot of work in that whole region there, Hungary, Slovakia, Ukraine, Serbia. And I was there for over 10 years, pastoring, church planting, uh, and then accepted an invitation to take over as lead pastor here of Whitefields Community Church about 10 years ago. Uh, Prior to that, I grew up here in Colorado, so I'm almost a native. I was born out of state, but uh, moved here uh, around my first birthday. So I guess I'm always afraid to tell people I'm a native because it's technically not true, so I won't uh, play that card. But yeah, I just grew up in Colorado uh, had some great experiences in ministry abroad, and then I'm glad to be back here for the past 10 years. Some pastoring here in Longmont. And if you are looking for a church to call home or a church to visit or place to plug in and study the Bible and worship God, we'd love to have you come and visit and worship with us. You know, we basically, where we're located is really convenient for those, even from coming from North Denver all the way up to Fort Collins, because we're really close to I-25, right on Highway 119, which is kind of our main thoroughfare from I-25 into downtown Longmont and then down into Boulder. So what that means, if you're in uh, Denver, Boulder, Loveland, Fort Collins area, any of those places within near that I-25 or 119 corridors, we'd love to have you come and worship with us this Sunday. We're currently in a study of the pastoral epistles. We study through books of the Bible here at Whitefields as a Calvary Chapel church. We like to study through books of the Bible, verse by verse, chapter by chapter. We're currently in a study of the pastoral epistles, which is the name that's given to the three epistles or three letters that Paul the Apostle wrote to two young pastors, Timothy and Titus. So currently we're getting near the end of First Timothy, and this Sunday I'm really excited about this message because um, it's called He Made Us Family, and we're going to be looking at First Timothy chapter 5. You know, there's a lot of metaphors that the Bible uses to describe the people of God, the Christian community, but one of them that's really important is that of a family. And Paul kind of draws out this metaphor in First Timothy chapter 5 and talks about how, as a family, how we have family ties, and what the, that means is as far as responsibility and relation to one another. And we're going to see that all of this is a picture of what God has done for us in Christ. It's really cool. And I, I have a story to share with you guys on Sunday about uh, a time when I met someone who was a family member, um, and we had grown up together, but we never knew we were related. So I'm looking forward to telling that story as well. So I'd love to have you join us. If you're looking for a place to find more information, you can do that on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. That's whitefieldschurch.com. And our physical address, if you just want to get that, is 2950 Colorful Avenue. So really easy to remember, 2950 Colorful Avenue in Longmont. We are on the east side of the city, closer to I-25 or in between I-25 and County Line Road, right on Highway 119, directly opposite Sandstone Ranch Community Park, which is a big sports complex here 
in the city of Longmont. So we'd love to have you join us. Again, the website for information, service times, all that good stuff is whitefieldschurch.com. We've got two services and children's ministry at both. We've got a great youth group. and We'd love to have you and your family uh, come and worship with us, and we'd love to serve you however we can. Let's go to our first caller, Helen in Denver, Colorado. Hi, Helen. Welcome to the program. Oh, hi. Thank you for taking my call. Absolutely. What's up? Um. I have a class that I'm teaching tonight. It's a recovery class. And my subject is on forgiveness and unforgiveness. And it's all biblical-based. I've never taught adults. I'm an art teacher of 22 years. And um, this is the first time that I'll be teaching adults. So I just need some, um, some prayers so that I could get through what I want them it takes from it, and that the Lord will intervene and um, send me his helper. Yeah. What, what are you going to be teaching them about? Forgiveness and unforgiveness. Mm-hmm. That's great. Is you, are you doing that at your church? Yes. Yes. Excellent. Well, let's pray for you. Heavenly Father, we pray for Helen. And uh, Lord, we know that you delight in it when your truth is proclaimed. You've called us to be your body. And sometimes that means acting as your hands. Sometimes it means acting as your feet, as those who go. And sometimes it means being your mouthpiece. And so, Lord, I pray for Helen that you would just really anoint her, give her the words to speak, help her to speak them clearly, understandably, in the right tone. And uh, Lord, I pray that her words would be accurate and that as she speaks, it would be an act of love, both love for you that honors you and your word and love for these people that helps them to really embrace the good plan you have for them in forgiving others just as you've forgiven them. I pray for some of these people who come tonight, this would really be a breakthrough in their life, a breakthrough where they've been stuck in a place of unforgiveness and they are are now going to be set free by your truth, Jesus. As you said in John chapter eight, that we'll know the truth and the truth will set us free. I pray that that would be experienced by those who hear these life-giving words today. So, Lord, I pray that you give Helen a lot of confidence as she speaks your word, and we pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Oh, thank you. Thank you. God bless you. God bless you, Helen. Thanks for calling in. Yes. Bye-bye. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air today. We have all open lines right now. It's a perfect time to call in. We've also got a few text messages we'll go to here in just a moment. Uh, but before we do that, let me give you the numbers to call. And I would just encourage you um, to write these numbers down, maybe store them in your phone. That's an even better idea because I, I've actually done that myself. I store the numbers in my phone and that way, let's say if I'm out, you know, and whoever's hosting the show doesn't say the numbers when I am wondering what they are, I've got them saved in my phone and I can just uh, call in whenever I need to. So the number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We'll go over to our text line real quick. We've got Rob in Longmont texted in, and he has a question. He says, in Romans 5, 6, and also in Galatians, it talks about how Christ came at just the right time or when the time had fully come. I'm not sure I understand why that time was a better time than any other time in history for him to come. What do those statements mean? 
Yeah, great question. I think there are several answers to that. Um, I'll give you a few of the historical reasons. I think beyond the historical reasons, there are there are other factors as well. Um, I'll give you a few that I have um, jotted down, and then I've got a few that I'm going to kind of give you from memory. Okay, so um, it says in Galatians chapter four, verse four, when the time had fully come, God sent forth his son, born of a woman, born under the law. In other words, Jesus came at just the right time, the ideal time. Okay, so here's one reason for that. At this time, there was a great anticipation among the Jews of the time that the Messiah would come. Uh, The Romans were ruling over Israel. Now, that added to the right time for Jesus to come in another way. But um, this, this kind of makes me want to share with you one of the really cool things that I think a lot of people don't realize. Jesus came after, you remember there was the kingdom that existed, the unified kingdom of Israel that existed during the time of David and then Solomon. And then after the time of David's son Solomon, Israel split up into two kingdoms, right? Israel in the north, Judah in the south. When they kind of went on different tracks, Israel in the north ended up being conquered in 700-ish BC by the Assyrians. They were carried off to Assyria which is kind of the area of like modern day Syria and Iraq. And then in 500, the late 500s, about 150, 130 years later, the uh, southern kingdom of Judah was conquered and they were taken off to Babylon. Now, at that time, Babylon had conquered Assyria. So in essence, the northern tribes who were taken into exile were reunited with the southern tribes in exile. And then what happened is this. Because the temple in Jerusalem was destroyed, which, by the way, was something that the Jews believed God would never allow to happen, and yet he did. But here's what happened when the temple was destroyed. The people who went into exile in Babylon, what they were forced to do was they couldn't, they could no longer go to the temple to offer sacrifices for their, for their sins. So how did they live out their Jewish identity the way that they did it was by studying the scriptures. So it was actually in exile in Babylon where the system of synagogues was developed. Now that's really important because synagogues were really focused on studying the scriptures. And it's interesting because prior to the that time of the exile in Babylon, the Jews, they respected the scriptures. And there were times when as a nation, they would pull out the scriptures and read them, but the scriptures were also largely neglected for a lot of Jewish history prior to the exile in Babylon. The exile in Babylon actually forced the Jews to turn to the scriptures and start reading them. So they would gather, someone would open up the scriptures, they would read them, there would be an explanation of them, and then there would be prayer. So that was how the the synagogue system worked. Now, when they came back from exile during the time of like uh, Cyrus and all that, right? We read about that in some of the other Old Testament books like uh, Nehemiah and Ezra and and the like. At that time, they came back, they rebuilt the temple. That's what we call the second temple. And that's the temple that Jesus would have gone to was the second temple, the rebuilt temple. But they kept the system of synagogues, which is really interesting because you'll notice like some people sometimes wonder, how is it that like we read about synagogues in the time of Jesus, but we don't read about synagogues in the Old Testament? Well, that's exactly why, because synagogues were developed during the Babylonian exile. And I say all that to say this, 
Because the Jews started studying the scriptures diligently during the exile, it prepared their hearts for the coming of the Messiah, and it stirred up this great anticipation of the Jews for the coming of the Messiah. And the Roman rule really stirred up the anticipation of the Jews because Roman rule meant that there was no king of the line of David ruling over Israel. There was a foreign occupation, and it made them long for the promise of God, which was for the throne of David to be established eternally. So this is great hunger in looking for the Messiah. And we know that because other people at the time, like people living in uh, the Dead Sea area, the area of Qumran, where we find the Dead Sea Scrolls, we read a lot of their writings, and they were people who were anticipating the coming of the Messiah. We know there's kind of a fervor at this time of people awaiting the Messiah and looking for the Messiah. So that's one way. Another way that the time was ideal when Jesus came is that it was the time of the Pax Romana, the Roman peace. Rome had unified much of the world under its government. And as a result of that, within the bounds of the territories ruled by Rome, which was the entire Mediterranean world, including North Africa, the Levant, including Southern Europe. It created the possibility for traveling. They created a system of roads, and there was a lingua franca, a common language, which was the language of Greek. And so if you could speak Greek, which everybody in that area did, that was why. So some people ask, why did they write the New Testament in Greek if the people who Jesus were, like his disciples, were Jews? Why didn't they write it in Hebrew? Well, the reason is because Hebrew was only spoken by a select number of people. Greek was the lingua franca of the world, right? And so this Koine Greek, common Greek, was spoken by millions of people. And so if you wrote something in Greek, it could reach so many people. And that was the whole goal. Jesus said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you. And so they wrote in Greek, even if it wasn't their first language, so that they could get the word out. So that that was a way. Um, And then you know, there was there was um, a few other things, you know, regarding the pagan religions, the mystery religions of the time, even the Roman cult of the emperor. These were all things against uh, the backdrop of which that Christianity was able to shine and really stand out. And people were able to see how it wasn't actually Caesar who is God, but it is Jesus who is Lord. So, yeah, here those are a few reasons. I'm sure there are a few more that we could get into. Uh, we could also point out the fact that, you know, Daniel's prophecy, uh, there's a famous prophecy in Daniel chapter 9, verses 24 through 27, which speaks of 70 weeks or 70 pairs of seven years, which would lead up to the coming of the Messiah. And a lot of work's been done on that to prove that it was, that is the time when Jesus came into the city of Jerusalem, was at the culmination of those uh, of the prophecy there in Daniel chapter 9. So there's a few reasons. But hey, I hope that helps you, Rob. Thanks for your question. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie. We're going to go to our next caller, Tony in Colorado Springs. Hi, Tony. Welcome to the program. Hi, Pastor Nick. What can we do for you? Well, I had a question about Revelation 22. Okay. And um, it came up in the Bible study last night. And so... The setting is um, the people have rebelled one more time. They followed Satan. The fire came down, devoured them. Then they've all been judged, and hell and death and all of that has been thrown into the lake of fire. That, at that point, it says 
all who would want to take freely of the water of life without cost or something like that. I mm-hmm. butchered that, but you know what I mean. Sure. Anyways, are there still humans in their physical bodies not re- regenerated like the bride? Because it says the spirit and the bride say come. Mm-hmm. So are there people alive on the earth at that time that need to drink from that water in order yeah, to live question. in the New Jerusalem? So I would say that, no, I, I don't think that's the purpose of that passage. Now, I could be wrong, but here's my understanding of it, is that when he's saying, who who's he saying that to, right? That's the big question. Who are the spirit and the bride saying that to? This is John having a vision, and in his vision, the spirit and the bride, which is the Holy Spirit and the bride of Christ, which is the people who have gone through the judgment and have been, of course, redeemed and regenerated by Jesus. Now, those people, along with the Spirit of God, are saying, come. Who are they saying that to? My understanding is that they are saying that through John to the reader of the book. In other words, they're speaking through this vision. In other words, through history, because, you know, this is something which will happen in the future. John's getting this preview of what's to come. And those people are saying to the readers through John, Come, drink of the water of life. In this case, the water of life is a representation. It's a symbol of what it means to receive salvation, right? We see the same thing. This is clearly a reference to what Jesus said in John chapter 7, right? Where Jesus says, uh, if anyone will come, will drink, you know, out of his, if anyone will come to me, and whoever believes in me, out of his innermost being will flow rivers of living water. And so it's this idea of, the living water is that which gives life eternally. And obviously that itself, even what Jesus says in John 7, is a throwback to the book of Exodus where they received water out of the rock. And then we're told in the New Testament that the rock is Christ and the water is the eternal life that he gives. So all of it ties together and that's just the last place in the Bible that it's mentioned. Correct. Right. Yeah, that's Correct. And, um, you know, one of my favorite things to do, in fact, I've said that what, I plan on writing several more books, but one of the books I want to write, nobody steal my idea out there, okay? But here's my idea. I want to write a book called Plot Lines, and I'm going to trace the plot lines that tell the story of the gospel through the gospel, these symbols. So one of them being water that comes out of the rock, the living water. We see it in Exodus, then we see it with Jesus, then we see it um, with in the book of Revelation. And there's a counter example to that too. Remember when Moses strikes the rock the second time when he was told to speak to it, that there's a symbol in there of the gospel and what's not the gospel as well. But, you know, there's several of these plot lines, if you will, the story of the lamb, like we see in Genesis 22, and then in Leviticus and going on this sacrificial lamb that culminates in Jesus, etc. There's a bunch of these, but... Um, yeah, in this case, who's speaking to whom? They're speaking through history to us who read the book today through John. Excellent. Well, thank you so much. I read one of your books and I gave it to my son-in-law who doesn't believe that, that God exists. So, Oh, um, well, I pray that God uses it. Yeah, me too. Well, thanks a lot. I appreciate it. Yeah, you bet. God bless you, Tony. Thanks for calling in.
All right, bye-bye. Hey, listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado, taking your calls and texts live on the air. As you heard, Tony and I were talking about a book that I wrote. If any of you are interested in that book, you can find it wherever books are sold online. You can also find it on my website, nickkady.org. That's N-I-C-K-C-A-D-Y dot O-R-G. The name of the book is The God I Won't Believe In, Facing Nine Common Barriers to Embracing Christianity. And in it, uh, we did some polling here locally where we live in Longmont to find out what are the biggest things that people, both those who call themselves Christians and those who say that they're not Christians, what do they find to be or, or believe to be the biggest hurdles when it comes to embracing Christianity? And so then we sought to answer those questions and uh, then created a book out of it. And it's been uh, a great uh, thing over this past year, just seeing how God has used it. So if you're interested, check that out. Uh, probably a good place to go is my website, nickkady.org. And uh, there's a tab there for the book where you can find a link to pick up a copy. Let's go to our next caller, Paul in Augusta, Georgia. Hi, Paul. Welcome to the program. Paul. Well, I can see Paul's question. He must have had to drop or something, but uh, Paul's question was, why are the pastoral epistles called pastoral epistles and not apostle epistles or something similar? Um, Paul, the quick answer to your question is because, well, actually all of the epistles, right, meaning letters, that's all epistle means. It's a fancy word for letter, uh, were written by the apostles, right? So they're written by the apostles. So all of them are apostolic letters in that sense. But these ones are called the pastoral letters because they are Paul the apostle writing to two men who are not apostles. They are pastors of local churches. It is interesting, though, to remember that um, when we think of like Timothy being the pastor of the church in Ephesus or Titus being the pastor of a church in Crete, uh, particularly the church in Ephesus, when we picture it, you need to understand, like when you picture it in your mind, don't picture something similar to what we do today, where it's like one church that has one gathering on Sundays and maybe groups throughout the week. And, you know, everybody's gathered together with somebody up front teaching because in the church at that time, the church was actually what was called in Latin, religia illicitas, which means an illicit or illegal religion. Um, it means it wasn't openly persecuted all the time, but it wasn't legally registered, which meant that Christians were not allowed to own buildings. They weren't allowed to build buildings. They weren't allowed to have public meetings. And so out of necessity, the church would gather. So like a church like Ephesus, which was probably a church of several thousand people, they would be organized into groups of like 20 people. And they were kind of like what we think of as cell groups. And then sometimes they would have larger gatherings, but generally they met in these small groups. And then the pastor, like Timothy in this case, was really the overseer of all of those small groups. And that, that actually, when you understand that, it helps you understand Timothy and Titus, because you understand how is it that Paul keeps talking about people in the church who are teaching false doctrine? Isn't Timothy the pastor? Isn't he the one who's teaching? Well, in this setup that they had out of necessity, there were many people who were elders who were teaching in these smaller groups. And Timothy's job as the pastor was to make sure that they were all teaching and doing things in the correct God-honoring biblical way. So uh, that's why they're called pastoral epistles, because they're written to pastors. Um, and yeah, you know, it's interesting just thinking through that. When the church was allowed to build buildings, 
then they began to do it. That happened in 314 AD after what was called the Edict of Toleration, also called the Edict of Milan, which is when uh, Constantine won a battle and uh, he made Sunday an official day off for all people in the Roman Empire because that was the day of Christian worship. And uh, he made Christianity a religia licitas, a licensed religion, and that allowed Christians to start building buildings. And from that point on, they started having gatherings much more similar to the ones we have today. So I hope that answers your question, Paul. Uh, we are coming up right now on our mid-show break. Let me give you the numbers to call, and then we'll go to our break. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. We've had a lot of text messages coming in, and so we'll get to some of those after the break. But we'd love to hear your voices and have you call in in person. So one more time 303-690-3000 we'll be right back in two minutes time after this break welcome back to calvary live Give us a call at 303-690-3000 or text us at 720-336-0897. Let's join Calvary Live right now. Welcome back to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm here with you today taking your calls and texts live on the air. The number to call with your Bible questions and your prayer requests is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Once again, the text line 720-336-0897. Well, we have uh, one text message to get to, and we also have... Uh, all open lines. So now's a great time to call in with your questions about the Bible. We're here. Maybe there's something going on in your life that you wonder, you know, what does the Bible have to say about it? Uh, or maybe there's a passage you've always wondered, you know, what does this mean? How do I make sense of this? If that's the case, then give us a call, 303-690-3000. We love answering those kinds of questions and discussing the things of God here on the radio. And I would just encourage you, maybe you feel like, oh, you know, this isn't a good enough question. I'll tell you what, there's probably somebody else out there who's just as shy and really wants to know the answer to that too. And they're, they're, you're going to be the one who has the courage to call in and they're going to be blessed because you did. So we encourage you to do that. And if you have a prayer request, we'd love to pray for you. And you can also text us 720-336-0897. Before we go to our text messages, I want to just take a minute to say this. Today is the opening day of the Jesus Revolution movie. And if you haven't seen it, I really recommend that you do. You know, we here in Longmont, our church, Whitefields, we rented out our local theater. We have a theater here in town at our mall, and we rented out the theater, and we sold tickets to a private showing on Wednesday night, kind of like a preview showing, and uh, sold it out like really fast. We probably should have got a couple theaters, to be honest, and people were really excited to see it. I love seeing the theater just packed with people of all ages. There were kids, there were older folks, and uh, we, we watched the Jesus Revolution movie. Now, you know, personally for me, 
it was a really moving thing. And the reason is because um, this movie chronicles really the early days of the Jesus movement um, through the eyes of Pastor Greg Laurie. But, you know, at the forefront of the Jesus movement was Chuck Smith and Calvary Chapel, which is the church family which we belong to. And their stories are told in this film, along with uh, stories of, you know, hippie evangelist and preacher Lonnie Frisbee, who was involved in the Jesus movement at that time. And, you know, for me personally, it was really moving because the stories that the movie tells are stories that I have heard in Calvary Chapel circles for years, particularly from my pastor, Tom Stipe. I, uh, when I was 16 years old, I was uh, going to high school. I went to Pomona High School in Arvada, for those of you who are local here in Colorado. And I... Um, I got saved through a relationship with a friend uh, who led me to the Lord, and then I needed to find a church. And this friend of mine, she went to a Russian-speaking church, and so I didn't speak Russian. I couldn't go there. So I asked my friends at school. They were non-Christians. And I asked them, hey, do you guys know of any churches around here that I could go to? Because I got saved, and I want to follow Jesus. I need to find a church. And uh, so they said, yeah, there's this one church called Crossroads, and they teach the Bible there. And so uh, I went there, and Pastor Tom Stipe, uh, who just went to be with the Lord two years ago, uh, he was pastoring, and I got plugged in there and got to know Tom over the years. Uh, Tom was the one who ordained me. Uh, he brought me into kind of a mentoring relationship in which he uh, was training a couple of us young guys to be pastors. And, and Tom would always tell us these stories that are chronicled in this movie, the stories of Chuck Smith, you know, a famous story about how uh, as the hippies started coming into Calvary Chapel, they had just gotten new carpeting in the building and they were worried, the board members were worried that the shoeless hippies would ruin the new carpet. And Chuck said, well, then rip it out because I'd rather rip out the carpet than send these, these young people away who want to come and hear the word of God. And so, um, you know, the stories of baptizing thousands of people at Pirate's Cove in Corona Del Mar State Beach there in California, the concerts in the tent and all these things. And, you know, Tom would always tell me these stories and it was so moving for me to see this. And the movie's done just in such a great way um, where I, I just found myself, my kids were there and I was just like so happy to see my kids getting to see this movement that we're a part of, the roots of it. They've heard the stories from me and, you know, the other part was that we brought people from our church and a lot of people who go to our church, you know, maybe they're not familiar with the movement that we're a part of and the family of churches that we're a part of. And it was really kind of like a proud moment for me to be able to, to see them get to understand better the roots and the values of the movement to which we belong. And so all around, it was a great thing. But you know what? It's, uh, I know that Greg Laurie, you know, his desire behind this movie is that it would be an evangelistic tool, something that really shares the hope of the gospel. And so I would just encourage you, get some friends together, um, some people maybe who don't know the Lord, don't really go to church, just say, hey, let's go see this movie. Let me know what you think. Because in the movie, they're going to hear the gospel. They're going to hear about Jesus. They're going to see the power of redemption. And I just think that, you know, my prayer is that God will use this to spark a Jesus revolution in our generation as well. So let's go to our next caller, Phil in Aurora, Colorado. Hi, Phil. Welcome to the program. Hi, thank you. Um, my question um, was about uh, the last verse in Isaiah. Um, it talks about um, the worm that doesn't die. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if that was Satan or what's the deal with, I didn't know what the deal with that is, I guess. Yeah, interestingly. Um, Okay, so the word hell 
is in Greek the word Gehenna. Uh, and Gehenna speaks of a place which is a place where they would burn trash. And so there would be this kind of like constant, you can think about like how if you've ever had a campfire, when you burn the, the campfire, right, eventually it turns to like, um, you know, embers and coals. And there's just kind of this constant burning that takes place. And so in many cities, you know, there would be these garbage dumps and the garbage dumps, they would set them on fire, but you, there was always kind of like embers burning underneath it and the fire never went out. And, uh, and that was really the imagery that was used in ancient languages like ancient Greek and in ancient Hebrew to describe what hell is like, right? A place of burning, a place of stench, a place of waste where things are burned and consumed and the fire never ceases. And so there in Isaiah, you know, when he talks about the worm that never dies, Jesus quoted that verse in the gospel of Mark chapter nine, verse 48. And Jesus speaking of hell says where the worm does not die and the fire is not quenched. And so the point there is that Jesus is describing Isaiah or he's describing hell and he's quoting Isaiah. And the point there is that both Isaiah and then Jesus talking about Isaiah, they're talking about this aspect of hell. So in other words, hell is uh, not only terrible, but I would argue from this verse, the point of this verse is that hell is eternal. You know, there's a couple different views on hell. Uh, I personally hold to the, the traditional Christian view which I believe is what the Bible teaches clearly. And I would point to verses like the one you just quoted, Isaiah 66, 24, and Mark chapter 9, to say that hell is an eternal conscious torment. And it is, it, and you, know, you might say, well, that sounds really harsh. Well, yeah, I, I, didn't, I didn't make it up. I'm not trying to be harsh. What I am trying to do is to say, well, why would Jesus talk about hell? Was he just trying to be edgy? Was he trying to be uh, scary? I would argue that I believe that Jesus was trying to be loving. And, um, you know, if you know how bad something is, you want to tell people how bad it is. You don't want to sugarcoat it. Because what a shame it would be to have someone not take something seriously because you didn't portray it seriously enough, right? And so Jesus is wanting to explain this is a place of eternal conscious torment. You know, imagine a worm that doesn't die, you know, think no matter how hot it gets, no matter how long it burns, the worm never dies. It speaks of the eternal uh, torment of hell. In, in other words, it's, it's something gross and something bad, um, ghastly, if you will. And so, you know, the fact that Jesus talks most about hell of anyone in the Bible, that should, that should tip us off that if God is love, and God tells us about hell and, and tells us how incredibly scary and gruesome it is. It's not to be edgy or scary. It's because he absolutely loves us and doesn't want anyone to go there. Like it says in Ezekiel 18, right? That God doesn't delight in the downfall of the wicked. So he, his desire is that people would repent and be saved. So I think that we need to be able to look hell straight in the face and let it sink in to say, man, I don't want anyone to go there and I'm going to do everything I can to, um, to help people not go there, which of course is by giving them the good news about Jesus. 
So, yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, I think it does. Um, yeah, so it's it's a representation, it's a rep just representation of hell, and it's just never, it's a never-ending kind of torment. Exactly. Yeah. Okay. All right. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah, you bet. God bless you. Thanks for calling in. All right. Bye-bye. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady uh, here taking your calls and texts live on the air. I get to be your host here every Friday on Calvary Live, and it's just such a pleasure to pray with you all and to answer your questions about the Bible. I love digging into the scriptures and talking about the things of God. So give me a call with your questions about the Bible and your prayer requests. The number to call is 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720 720- Three three six zero eight nine seven. Well, again, before we go back to our text line and as we wait for more calls to come in, I just want to take a moment to pray for Ukraine because today, February 24th, is the one-year anniversary of the Russian invasion of Ukraine. Um, you, you guys might know this, uh, that I have a lot of friends over there. I did a lot of work in Ukraine over the years. In fact, every year for the past, um, let's see, seven years with only one year I didn't go because of COVID. Um, but I have been going over there meeting with the Ukrainian Calvary Chapel pastors and I do a leadership retreat for them every March. And actually I'm heading over there next week. So I am going to, I'm going to be going into the country of Ukraine and I would ask that you pray for me. But I'm going to be, I believe, in a safe place, and we're going to be gathering with many of our Calvary Chapel family of pastors, those who have been on the front lines doing aid work, really being the hands and feet of God to people who are hurting, and we're going to be seeking to pray with them, refresh them, study the scriptures with them. So would you please pray for us, I'd ask, and please join me in praying for um, this terrible situation in Ukraine right now on the one-year anniversary. So Lord, we lift up to you. The people of Ukraine, we, we specifically want to pray, Lord, for our brothers and sisters, our Christian brothers and sisters, um, those who are suffering, who have experienced loss. Lord, we pray that you'd be with them and bring them comfort. And Lord, we pray for those who are providing aid on the ground. Lord, we pray that they would um, have the resources that they need to do your work in your name. Lord, that you would use them as lights in that dark place to bring much glory to you and to bring the hope of salvation to people who are literally living in the face and the valley of the shadow of death. So Lord, we pray for an end to this war. We pray for an end to suffering and injustice. We pray that your kingdom would come and that your will would be done here on earth as it is in heaven. And we pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thanks for praying with me for Ukraine. The number to call, 303-690-3000. That's 303-690-3000. Or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to our next caller, Johnny in Brighton, Colorado. Hi, Johnny. Welcome to the program. Hi. Uh, my question is, in the Bible, it says, love your enemies, but how do I do that when people want to do mean things to me? Yeah, that's a great question, Johnny. Thanks so much for calling in and having the courage to uh, go on the radio and ask that question. Because I think there are a lot of people who struggle with that same thing. You know, I think the only way that we can really love our enemies is by the God's power within us. It's not something natural to be able to love our enemies. The most natural thing in the world is to hate our enemies, right? Um, and to want to avoid them or want to do harm to them. But by the power of God within us, 
we are able to actually do this incredible thing that God calls us to do. And the reason we're able to do it is because Jesus himself did that very thing. Did you know that the Bible says in the book of Romans, chapter 5, it says that God shows how much he loves us in this, that when we were enemies of God, Jesus laid down his life to save us. In other words, I think that's interesting, right? Because like, Johnny, I don't know about you, but um, I never really considered myself to be an enemy of God. Like I never hated him or went against him. And yet the Bible says that in our hearts, if we weren't following Jesus, we were like enemies of God in our hearts and our minds. And Jesus loved us when we were his enemies and made us his friends and made us his family and even made us his children uh, through his loving acts of blessing us. And so what we're called to do is in response to that, say, Jesus, give us the strength to love people like you do, even the mean people, even the, the people who are unkind to us, help us to love them in the way that you have. And you know, what's really interesting, Johnny, is that if you love somebody and you treat them with kindness, even if they're mean to you, um, they may consider you an enemy, but pretty soon you stop considering them an enemy because you're loving them. And um, you begin to consider them a neighbor and maybe even somebody that you deeply care about. And uh, I would just encourage you, yeah, to ask the Lord to help you. You can pray about that and ask God to help you to do the things that he's calling you to do. And I think that he will give you the strength to do what he calls you to do um, as you obey him. So that's a great question. I think that's one that a lot of people, uh, it's hard for them, but it's definitely possible. So I pray that God helps you do it, Johnny. Thanks for calling in. Yeah. All right. Bye-bye. You're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady. I'm here today taking your calls and texts live on the air. I'm the pastor of Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. If you're looking for a place to worship this weekend or with your family, if you're anywhere between north uh, side of Denver or up to Fort Collins. We'd love to have you come worship with us at our church here in Longmont. We're right off of I-25 here on Highway 119, um, and we'd love to have you come. We're studying through First Timothy right now, just a really awesome book about Jesus and the gospel and about what it means to be a follower of him. So come and study with us and worship with us, um, with your whole family. We've got two services on Sunday mornings, 9.15 and 11 a.m., children's ministry at both, and we'd love to have you. You can find more information on our website, whitefieldschurch.com. Let's go to our next caller, Emmanuel in Jackson, Mississippi. Hi, Emmanuel. Welcome to the program. Our website, Let's go. Hey, Emmanuel. Emmanuel. You're on the air. We just need you to turn down your radio. And uh, that, that we'd be able to hear you clearly. Uh, I want to ask you about the, uh, the Pentecostal apostolic doctrine. Uh, we baptize in Jesus' name, not Father, Son, Holy Ghost, because Father, Son, Holy Ghost is the name of his, his titles and stuff. Can you explain to me about the baptism and then you tearing for the Holy Ghost to receive that gift? Well, yeah, sure. There's a lot going on there in what you just said that I'm going to have to have to unpack, okay? So first of all, uh, it sounds like you're part of a movement called Oneness Pentecostalism. Would that be correct? Say that again. Sounds like you're part of a movement called Oneness Pentecostalism. Oneness Pentecostalism is is what you described, which says that um, the names Father and Holy Spirit are just other forms or modes 
that God takes. There are other titles that God uses, but essentially Jesus is God, and the Father is just like a mode or a title that Jesus sometimes takes on. The Holy Spirit is a mode or title that Jesus takes on, and that's why you only baptize in the name of Jesus, not in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Um, so first of all, I'll tell you that I'm, I'm not in agreement with that at all, um, because I think that stands in contradiction to, number one, what the Bible teaches about the Trinity. Uh, what that doctrine is, is something which is called modalism. Modalism is the belief that, well, like you described, um, that the Father and the Holy Spirit are modes that God takes on or titles that Jesus sometimes uses or descriptors. But um, but it differentiates and says there are not three persons of the Trinity, there's only one. So traditionally what Christians have believed, and I believe what the Bible teaches, is we believe that there's one God who eternally exists in three distinct persons who are not modes of one another, right? They are distinct from each other. The Father is not the Son, the Son is not the Spirit, the Spirit is not the Father or the Son. They're distinct, and yet there is one God. That's the mystery of the Trinity. And the reason why we baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit is because that's what Jesus himself told us to do in the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 28. He said, go into all the world, make disciples of all nations, teaching them to obey all that I've commanded you. And he said, and baptizing them in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So Christians, going back all the way to the time of the second century, have practiced this. I mean, it's written down, and actually, perhaps even earlier than that, um, but we know for sure that from about 110 AD, there's a writing called the Didache, and Didache is the oldest Christian document apart from the Bible that we have um, in existence. And it tells how to baptize, and it tells us to baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So what that tells us is that from the time of the apostles up until our present day, people have done what Jesus said to do in the Gospel of Matthew, which is baptize in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, because they're three distinct persons of the one Godhead. Now, to answer your other question, though, how do we receive the power of the Holy Spirit? That's a, that's a separate question. And to answer that, there's really two distinct ways. The one way is that we receive the power of the Holy Spirit, and the question is, the power to do what? Okay, so the power, the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, which gives us the power to be transformed, the power to obey God, etc., that power is received when we believe. We see that in Ephesians chapter 1. It says, you received the Holy Spirit when you heard the gospel and believed. That's literally what it says in Ephesians chapter 1. We also read it in Second uh, Corinthians chapter one, we read in First Corinthians chapter three, we receive the Holy Spirit as a seal when we believe. But there's also a, another relationship with the Holy Spirit, which is the anointing or empowering relationship. This is what's talked about in the book of Acts chapter one, where the disciples asked Jesus, when will you establish your kingdom? And Jesus said, you know what? That's not for you to worry about. But here's what I want you to do. I want you to stay in Jerusalem until you are clothed with power from on high. And he said, the Holy Spirit will come upon you not many days from now. And that word upon is really important. It's used in the Old Testament as well. Like in the book of Judges, the Holy Spirit came upon Gideon. The Holy Spirit came upon um, other people who, who were called to be judges. And as the Holy Spirit came upon them, it empowered them, or he the Holy Spirit empowered them to do these acts that God had called them to do. So that's 
you, you say, see what I'm saying? The receiving the power, which power? Is it the power for transformation and sanctification? That's received when you believe in the gospel and the Holy Spirit indwells you. But the power for anointing and carrying out God's plans, right? The things that God's called you to do, that is a separate thing which happens as we ask for it. And Jesus talked about that in Matthew, I believe it's chapter 11, where he says, if anyone asks uh, for you know, if any son asks his father or a child asks their father for a loaf of bread, the father's not going to give him a rock. If someone asks, you know, for a fish, the father's not going to give him a snake. In the same way, if you ask for the Holy Spirit, your father will give it to you. He desires to. And now in that sense, the Holy Spirit, because Jesus is speaking before his death and resurrection, he's talking about the anointing power. I'm sorry, that was Luke chapter 11, not Matthew chapter 11. Jesus is talking about the anointing power to carry out the callings that God places on your life, uh, as opposed to the indwelling of the Spirit, which is something unique to after Jesus' death and resurrection. So I hope that answers your question, Emmanuel, and I hope you get the, that doctrine of the Trinity and the Holy Spirit sorted out. God bless you. Hey, you're listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Cady from Whitefields Community Church in Longmont, Colorado. I'm taking your calls and texts live on the air today. We've only got five minutes left in our show, but that might be enough time for one more call and certainly for a few more text messages. So the number to call, 303-690-3000, 303-690-3000, or you can text us at 720-336-0897. Let's go to Rudy in Baltimore, Maryland. Hi, Rudy. Welcome to the program. Yeah, hi, you Pastor Nick. Um, yeah, I was just calling in for a prayer request. Uh, uh, I told you you're a call taker there. Um, I was just calling for prayer for loneliness. Um, I've gotten to the end. I can't take it much more, and I don't know what else to do. Mm. I mean, I pray. Oh, yeah, I pray. I go to church, talk to people for a few minutes here and there, but it's and I have friends, but they, it's, I don't know, they're all involved. I'm always alone at home, and it's, I can't cram it all into five minutes. It's just, I don't know how some people do it. They're mm. um, stronger people, or they're, what is it, introverted? They do well in life alone. I don't. And mm. I'm 65, and it's just, it's, it's getting bad. Mm. I don't know what else, I don't know what else to do, Pastor. <laughs> yeah. So you say you're in a church. That's good. Do you have do you have some kind of fellowship groups or somewhere you can go a little deeper than just uh, Sunday morning? Yeah, all they have is one um, Friday night. It's uh, well tonight actually. Um, uh, it's like an hour and a half. They they he has usually a topic on his mind, and but see they and they want to discuss that topic, which is fine. Absolutely nothing wrong with that, but. They don't seem to have individual time for anyone, unless you like make an appointment. And oh my, yeah. it's, um... Rudy, I mean, I'm I'm not one to tell you to just go find another church generally, but and, and maybe that's not the the right move here. But I would tell you this: you certainly need Christian fellowship. You know, I'm thinking about uh, this Sunday. I'm teaching uh, a message called "He Made Us Family." that talks about first Timothy and, and looks at, you know, we're studying verse by verse through first Timothy, but I'm, I'm looking at Psalm 68 where it says that God literally says God places the lonely in families. And the way he does that is through this new family that he's creating in Christ. So what you need, Rudy, more than anything, you need Christian community. And, you know, there are probably other places to find it without leaving your church. You can maybe even, you know, as a single person, maybe there are other, um, 
parachurch organizations, Christian groups, or maybe there's other churches, you know, where you can visit and, and maybe they have, I think what you really need is like a community group, you know, some that meets throughout the week and is a place for deeper connection. But I would just tell you, loneliness is, is not what God created us for. And, um, and there's got to be some avenue for you to get some good Christian fellowship. So I'm going to pray for you in that, but I'm going to encourage you also to be looking for, for opportunities for it, because I think that that's really the answer. Um, but um, I'm going to pray for you as well. So let's do that. Heavenly Father, I pray for Rudy, and I pray for those out there listening who are also struggling with loneliness. Lord, I pray that they would find true Christian community. Lord, I pray for churches to be creating opportunities and avenues for that. Lord, I pray that there would be nobody falling between the cracks. Lord, that you would be loving people through your church, just as you've made us family. Help us to live that out. And and I know that that's the desire of every Christian leader. Lord, please help us to have eyes to see those who are struggling with loneliness. I pray for Rudy specifically. Lord, help him to find that life-giving community that's going to literally save his life. And so, Lord, I pray that you would draw him near to yourself, that you would sustain him until he finds that community. And Lord, give him the foresight to not believe the lies of the enemy that would try to pull him under, but Lord, help him to keep his head up above the ground. I think about your psalm that says, Lord, you are the lifter of my head. I pray that Rudy would experience that lifting of his head even in this moment. I pray that in Jesus' name. Amen. Jesus. Amen. Thank you. Rudy. I appreciate it. So. Yeah. I, I can't wait to hear a good report from you. Okay. All right. Sir. All right. All right. Okay. Bye-bye. Thank you again. Hey, you've been listening to Calvary Live. This is Pastor Nick Katie. Love to have you come and worship with us. If you're local here in the Longmont, Colorado area, check us out online, whitefieldschurch.com. And I will be with you soon on a Friday here on Calvary Live. Have a great evening and a safe drive. God bless you. You've been listening to Calvary Live. Tune in next time for prayer and God's word.